Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the end, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thank you. Amen. These, these words you just heard from Paul, well, here we go. <laughs> I had become an undercover preacher up here now. <laughs> Let's start over. These words that Patrick read from Paul, they're, um, where, where is he? Well, the minister is in jail. Now, th this is the Paul who, um, for years, day and night, dragged his aching, beaten, wounded body across two continents to plant churches the way Johnny Appleseed planted trees. Um, last week, I quoted Will Rogers. I said, even if you're on the right track and you just sit there, you're going to get run over. Well, not Paul. I mean, Paul had a bias for action. Um, but now all the locomotion has stopped. You see, he had written to people in Rome, said, I'm going to be coming through. I'm going to spend a couple of days there. Help me raise the money because I'm not staying. I'm going to Spain. That's been my dream, to always take the good news to Spain. But he never gets to Spain. He stopped. All the locomotion has stopped. He's in jail. I heard someone say that Paul in jail kind of reminded them of Geronimo in prison, Fort Still, Oklahoma, uh, that great um, chieftain, apostle of freedom for his people. And there he is in this um, cell. You can go there. It's a national park now. And you'll see his prison cell. There's no wood or stone floor. It's all earthen. There's one window. It's up way above eye level. And then there's the trench. And you say, why the trench? And the National Park Guide says, it was Geronimo pacing back and forth, back and forth. I can see Paul doing that, can't you? I mean, the minister's in jail, but this is a man of movement, of action. He's moving back and forth. He's still thinking, pondering, and he finds um, a piece of parchment and a quill pen. And of course, Paul is still writing, and he writes to the people, at Philippi. I mean, isn't that just like the New Testament folks? You know, you throw them in jail and they, they all of a sudden they have a spontaneous song service and the jailer is converted. Um, put them in uh, prison to silence them and they turn the prisoner's dock into an author's workbench. So he's writing to the people of Philippi. They're not in a real good place. They're wringing their hands and they're saying, what are we going to do now? Paul, it looks like he's gone. We've never had anyone like Paul before, never will again. What are we going to do? And then this man named Ephroditus, he shows up at their door one Sabbath morning. They're getting ready to worship. 
And they say, who are you? I'm Ephroditus. I'm a friend of Paul. And he sent me to you. And I have this letter. And he suggested that I try to get here on Sabbath worship, you see. So you might use it in worship. Oh, and, and I can see a P.S. at the end of this letter from Paul. He, he might even say, uh, uh, by the way, this second chapter, the part you heard here today, he said, this, I really wrote this like a poem. It's like a hymn. And you might even want to print it in the bulletin. Would you like to hear it again? Jesus of God and like God. Counted equality with God, not something to be coveted or grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Do, do, you, do you hear that? Starts high and it goes low. Do, do you hear that? Do you hear the movement, the rhythm of it? Uh, Jesus of God, of ivory palaces. Um, he came from everything that was good. He was full of glory and full of light. But he tossed that aside so he could be like us and he could serve, you know. So he could live into the life of blessing, helping, feeding, transforming, redeeming all the way to a cross. Doesn't get any higher than God, doesn't get much lower than a cross. It's an odd way, it's a narrow way, but Paul says it's a way that elevates the entire world. Do you know that biblical scholars have called this a hymn because they really think it was used as a hymn in the early church and they call it a hymn of kenosis, the Greek word here. is a strange word to show up in Scripture and with God, emptied. God emptied God's self of divinity, uh, let go power so all could be empowered. So what does this mean for us today? I think it means a lot of things. It means God has chosen pretty clearly to be one of us, uh, to be like us. I mean, this isn't God just kind of dabbling in humanity, brushing us like a tangent brushes a circle. No, I mean, this, this is God full bore into the thick of things with us. This is God saying once and for all, flesh, blood, earth, dirt, sky, and death, good enough for God. Do you feel that around Christmas? Celebrate the incarnation? And once you see God showing up in a little sheep town, his a feeding trough was his cradle. You just don't know, do you, the lengths, the depths that God will go to to just inhabit all that we inhabit. Like us. Do you ever feel like you live on the margins of obscurity? Well, Jesus knew about that. He was raised in an overlooked nation uh, among oppressed people in an obscure village. You see that little adobe, um, that little adobe house with the thatch roof and see the chicken in the yards and see the gangly teenager. He's um, trying to fix a wood bench. That's Jesus. He knew something about obscurity. Oh, but, you, but if your life is not obscure, if you're a person that's in a position of some management and leadership, could he relate to that? Yo. Because boy, Jesus becomes Rabbi Jesus. And now he's got 70 commissioned followers and they're going around after the, this rabbi hoping that the dust from his feet, they'll be so close to him, will fall upon their own robes. And, oh, he knew, he knew leadership's not easy. See, he had one in his group that was a zealot who hated Romans and he had another in his group that was a tax collector who worked for them. Uh, and then there was this mother of two of his most beloved followers that, well, she wanted special treatment for her sons. 
You know, he knew about the stress of leadership. Uh, do you ever feel you just want to get away? You just, you just want to get away? Jesus did. Mark 1 says, Jesus got up early. He got up so early it was still dark, and he left the house, he left all his friends, and he went out to the mountain by himself. If you ever have a day and such, everything is so harried and hurried, you don't even stop for lunch. No. Mark 6, and the crowds came. They came from every hole and hovel in Galilee, and there were so many of them, and they were so busy that the disciples and Jesus didn't even have time to eat. Any of you know something about family tensions? You think Jesus could relate to that? Mark 3. His family, brothers, his mother, they saw what was happening and they said, Jesus, you better come back to Nazareth. And they said, he's saying pretty crazy things. Okay. You see, time and time again, what do we see in the Jesus story? We see a willingness to enter every crook, cranny, and crevice that we might inhabit. And what does that mean to us? It means no matter how difficult, how convoluted the path may be, the cords of that identifying with us just can't be severed. I know it means something to me. I walk into the hospital room of a terminal cancer victim and I can say something a little stronger than just smile, God loves you. No, I can say wherever there is to suffer, wherever there is to crucified, God not only has been there, but is there, you see, but is there, okay? So it starts high, you know, Jesus in the ivory palaces, his ends low, every bit like us. But there's a turn of a phrase here, I want you to catch this, a turn of the phrase in this hymn, this song of Paul's. He says, it's not only that Jesus is like us, but we're like him. This how, listen to how the hymn started. It said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have this mind, that way, that will among yourselves. Now, who's Paul talking about? I mean, is he talking about all pro, all world, all star disciples? No, he's talking about the likes of us. That's how Jesus thought about us. I mean, from the get-go, Jesus chose not to save the world by himself. He, he chose ordinary people like you and me. And one of the biggest joys I have in teaching confirmation is helping the confirmands know not just figuring out what they need to believe about Jesus, but figuring out what Jesus believes about them, about us. He thinks we can be like him. And Paul is saying this very movement this self-emptying, self-giving, it, it, can, it can be in you. It can work through you. Now, I think it's not easy. I mean, it, it, it was kind of odd of God to empty God's self, and I think it's a little bit odd for us to think about laying aside all of our need to um, be people of power and position so we're free, so we're free to try to make somebody else's story come out right, so we're free to... You know, get ourselves off our hands and be a part of the giving, serving, blessing. It, it's, it's a different kind of step. I, I know a woman, um, she's a history teacher. 
in a depressed part of North Carolina. She loves history because she believes that history has the capacity to help us see what the centuries say to the years, to put things into perspective. But it's hard because a lot of her students, um, they're just trying to get through life. It's, it's a hard scrabble world they're growing up in. And one day she sees another bad results of testing and she puts her head down on her desk and she sighs and she says, I just wish I could open up these minds and pour the really good stuff in. Paul would empathize with her, but he said, listen, friend, teaching history is not as challenging as teaching Christ because the challenge in teaching Christ isn't just imparting a little bit of information about Jesus. No, listen to what Paul's trying to do here. He, he thinks it's, a, it's about getting to know the hymn, the song, letting it become so much a part of you that you hum it. You know when a song becomes part of you, you hum it, you tap your toes to it, you can't get it out of your head. Look, a, a religion department in college, it can teach you about religion. It can teach you about Buddhism. It can teach you about Christianity. It can make Christianity acceptable in an academic world. Christianity is sociology, Jesus, an appropriate master's thesis. But look, nobody's mind has ever been blown or rearranged. Their life has never been rearranged by knowing a few things about Jesus. Paul says, this is not religion 101. Just put away your notepads, put away your pens, put away your pencils. This is letting the movement, the energy, the flow of this life become so much a part of you that after a while, it is you. It's a little bit like learning to dance as well as to sing. Uh, a few years ago, some of the men in the church were a little disappointed in me. I came out of the closet and admitted that I had recently taken a class in ballroom dancing with my wife and some of the family. Some of the men at the church thought I was putting undue pulpit pressure, saying, you know, if Rob, you know, if Rob's going to do that, can't you do this? I'm sorry about that. And here I am doing it again. But, well, I can't remember all the dances, and, but I do remember the waltz, box step. And, you know, you get there, and here's this little chart feet on the floor and blue feet looking at white feet and then numbers, you know, your right foot forward and her left foot back. And my goodness, it's awkward at first. You're looking down at this chart and it's, and then one day you come to the class and they take away the little chart on the, on the floor, and, you know, and, but you're still thinking about it. You're still looking down at your feet and her feet and trying not to hurt anybody. And it's awkward, but then after a while, one day, it just, you seem to get it. You know, you're, you're no longer thinking about it. You're no longer looking down at your feet. You're sashaying a little bit. You're moving with the music. It's, it's now you. It's, it's now you. And that's, that's what Paul's talking about. You know? I think Paul would say the song is playing, you see. The song has been set loose in the world. So the question for us, can we stay in tune with it? The rhythm, it comes from the heartbeat of the universe. It's, it's the depth of things. Can we step to it? 
Here's what I find interesting. There are Christian people who have raised a lot of money, and they will go to the ends of the earth to, to share the gospel with the unreached, okay? But then they get there, and they tell the story, and this is sometimes what they hear. Somebody from that group of the so-called unreached will say, oh, that's, that's the name for it. I, look, we've been moving, dancing to that tune for some time. Jesus himself in John 10 said, look, um, I have a lot of different sheep, <laughs> and not all of them all come from the, um, the same sheep pen. We shouldn't be surprised by that. As Chardin, the philosopher, said, Jesus is kind of as wide as creation because we're talking about a very tune that comes from where life itself comes from. But then there's the other side of that. There are those of us that we've been hearing the song for a long time. And some people among us who think they know everything about being a Christian, but it just doesn't seem like those lives are always in tune. How do we stay in tune? Those of us that have all these stories. I know something that has helped me. It has come from my Quaker friends. They have this very simple morning practice. It's a practice of just pausing before a day, and they call it putting on the mind of Christ. Okay? And this is what you do. You don't just think about that in an abstract way. You literally sit down and you th think about the appointments, the outings, the events, the engagements of the day. And then you spend just a few moments thinking about what would it look like if you carried the compassion, the insight, the mercy of Christ into each of those events and moments. Sometimes I've stayed with that, sometimes I haven't. Does it change anything? There's some things it doesn't change. I've found it has never changed my circumstances. Very seldom has it changed my schedule. It certainly doesn't solve my problems, but here's something you begin to feel changing, that you, you begin to feel like, your heart is becoming bit by bit more of a loving, servant heart. You know, you're, th this movement we've been talking about today is becoming more and more you until it begins to feel like it is you. Maybe ask yourself this question. I mean, if, if, we, if that began to happen, would anybody see a difference? Do you think our family would? Do you, do you think the people that are overlooked in this town, you, you might see them differently. Do you think your adversary might see more mercy in you? Do you think the people you work with might see more joy in you? Well, you know, it's easy to kind of get out of that. We, we begin oftentimes as people of priority, what's important and what's unimportant. And then I know it happens to me a lot of times. I, I, I kind of lose a sense of that. I just go where the pressure is felt. Oh, there's a little pressure point over here. I've got to respond and react to that. One over here. So I'm just reacting and responding. I go where the pressure is felt. And after a while, oh, yeah, I can remember the name of that song. But have you ever had a song you used to like? You remember the name, but you've kind of lost the melody. You can't even hum it anymore, and you certainly can't move to the rhythm of a song that has been forgotten, right? The movement, the flow is there. It is there. Paul says, we can do that. 
You know, we, we can let that very mind, that very movement just become part of us. I don't know, it reminds me a little bit of this story that comes out of Ireland, Eastern Ireland on the coast over toward the England side. And this was right at the beginning of the turn of the 20th century. And so this is the beginning of electricity coming to this little seaside town. And everyone was surprised because not everyone in the town could afford the electricity at that point. But Miss Adelaide, for all people, they were so surprised that she was one that paid to have her house hooked up to electrical power. And well, she was a person of means, but she was really tight. She was really frugal. I couldn't believe Miss Adelaide, look at her. She's had the house hooked up and well, about two weeks later, the meter reader comes, and he knocks on the door. And says, "Miss Adelaide, uh, I just I need to talk to you just a moment. There must is there anything wrong with your power?" And she says, "Oh no, no, be nothing wrong. It's 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 all so good and it's all so well." And he said, "Well, okay, I'm going to have to ask you a question. You see, I've been looking at your meter, and it as though you have hardly used." a bit of power. Is everything all right? Do, are you glad you have electricity? Oh, I am so glad. And he said, well, okay, so what are you doing? How are you using it? Oh, I said, she says, I use it every day. She says, when, when it gets a wee bit dark, this is when I do it, I, I go and I turn on one little light, and then by that light, I light the candles. <laughs> And, and then, after a wee minute, I just turn off the lights. Just, I, I turn on the power long enough to light a candle, then poof, poof. You get the picture. Her house was connected, but it really wasn't altered, connected, but not altered. I mean, it can happen. Um, put my name on the roll, call me a card-carrying Christian, check. Oh, yes, yes, I, I think I know about 10 or 12 things I could tell you about the life of Jesus, check, check. And so here we are, every once in a while, we flip the switch on. And we spend a lot of time in the shadows. So. But it's there, that's the good news. You know, we don't have to sit here and feel overcome by guilt. I mean, we're getting ready to have a meal of grace. No, but that's the great thing about being a Christian. We can go, always go back to our beginning point. That's what Paul's, that's the conversation he's trying to have with us. I told Paul that he would be speaking to us today, and he wanted me to give some names to some people who wanted to think about it. I said, oh, I got plenty of names, plenty of names for people that would be interested. So here's Paul, folks. I just want you to see him. He's in jail. The minister is in jail, and he's walking back and forth. He's pondering, he's thinking, and he's writing. And most of all, he's hoping. He's hoping that there's someone out there. It's like him. He says, I'm straining forward. I'm leaning forward. I'm not there yet, but I'm working at this, and I want some other people with me that want to know the hymn, that want that hymn to get uh, to be so much a part of them that they're they're humming it. They're tapping their toes to it. They can't get it out of their head, their hands, their feet.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks to you, he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, our mighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory of God. Amen.